Well, good morning. It's uh, great to be with you again. <laughs> I've taken off the Buzz Lightyear costume now. I'm just going to spend the next 10 minutes uh, thinking about Jesus' crucifixion and uh, that passage in Matthew 27. It's a deeply moving passage, isn't it, as we uh, think about the immense pain and suffering that Christ was in as he hung on the cross. And I'd love us just to begin by reflecting on that image that I uh, spoke to the kids about. Jesus' arms stretched wide out on the cross, where we can almost imagine him holding on to God with one hand. Remember that Jesus is both God and um, and man, fully God, fully human. Uh, he holds on to God in one hand because of his divine nature. And in the other hand, he holds on to humanity and in that to you and I. And he refuses to let the two be parted, to be separated again. He says that nothing is going to stand in the way of God and his people. And that takes Jesus all the way to the cross, doesn't it? And Jesus takes on himself uh, all of the sin, all of the bad uh, stuff that is in our lives that we choose to do, that we do in ignorance. He chooses to take all of that and to say that he will not let God and humans be separated again, but instead he will bear the wrath of God. He refuses to let them go and he dies connecting us to God through himself. Jesus is our connection to God. It's amazing. It's really, really incredible. I'd love us just uh, to think then about a bit more about this passage in Matthew, and particularly uh, at the moment when we've just had a whole load of uh, new guidelines. We just had this shock, new lockdown. What a kind of bizarre time that we're living in. An incredibly disappointing time, I think. We've just come out of one lockdown. We've had a couple of months to do things and to make plans, really, haven't we? We've started to make plans to think that maybe we're the other side of this. And so I wonder this morning whether there are things that you are disappointed about. Perhaps you had planned to go and see grandchildren this month. Perhaps uh, you were going to see a film. Perhaps you were going to see friends. Perhaps maybe you're excited um, or looking forward to something else that will still happen. I'm really uh, looking forward to uh, The Crown season four coming out on Netflix. That's something that um, I really avidly watch and and love uh, to um, to watch. So really looking forward to that. November the 15th. <laughs> um, but what are the things that you are looking forward to? Um, and perhaps what is the disappointment that you're dealing with right now? I guess God's people had been looking forward to God sending his Messiah, hadn't they? They had waited uh, for hundreds of thousands of years for God to send his rescuer to them. There have been so many prophecies all the way through the Old Testament that God is going to send his Messiah, his rescuer. He is going to free his people from their oppressor and he is going to bring his rule and his reign to the earth once again. And so when we get to the baptism of, of Jesus at the beginning of the gospel, you can imagine uh, the people around as um, 
John the Baptist announced, uh, Jesus, this is the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. People kind of looking around at each other. Is this really, is he really the one? Is he the one that we have really been waiting for? And so as Jesus' ministry kind of um, unfolds, we see uh, his incredible mandate, which is um, kind of mapped out for us in Luke 4. He's come to set the oppressed free come to um, bind up the brokenhearted, come to heal those who are broken. And yet now, as we come to Matthew 27, the people have condemned Jesus to death. They have chosen Barabbas, the murderer, over Jesus, God's Messiah. How confusing, how utterly confusing for them. And particularly for Jesus' disciples, they must have been absolutely devastated. Remember, they've given up their livelihoods. They've given up uh, their families, their uh, professions, everything they knew, all of their normality to follow this one man because they believed that he was God's son. And now the Roman authorities have captured him and have crucified him. How utterly devastating all that they were looking forward to, that Jesus was going to overthrow the Romans, that he was going to bring God's kingdom, God's rule and reign, that he was going to begin a new normal for them. And yet all of that has seemingly been lost because Jesus has been crucified. I wonder if um, you recall uh, in Luke 24, the, uh, the people walking back from Jerusalem to along the Emmaus Road and they say, uh, as they meet Jesus and he asks them why they're so downcast, what's been going on then in Jerusalem? What, what's all this about? And they say, how do you not know what's happened? How, how have you missed this? <laughs> and I love the little phrase that they use. And I think that this is so uh, topical for us at the moment. And also just for our human condition, they say, we had hoped. We had hoped. We had hoped that things were going to be different. We had hoped that Jesus was the one we were waiting for. We had hoped. You can just sense the heaviness and the disappointment in their voices, can't you? We had hoped that this, he was going to be the one, that things were going to change. And yet in this moment of utter desolation, as Christ dies on the cross, Matthew gives us some amazing, amazing signs of hope in this passage, which looks just uh, so desolate and so devastating. There are signs of hope here for us. So open up Matthew 27 and uh, we're in... uh, and I think it's uh, from verse 44. <clears throat> There's three uh, signs for us, really, when everything looks very, very bleak. And um, <laughs> I kind of promised myself that I wouldn't share this, but it, it just happened as I wrote the sermon. <laughs> One of the churches I grew up in, the church I grew up in, in Winchester, we had um, 
great vicar um has become a bishop now um but um he would always preach the same good friday sermon and uh <laughs> we would get fed up with it uh, only by but the fact that it was a great sermon <laughs> you always preach the same good friday sermon and it was this that was friday but sunday was coming always every good friday we knew exactly what he was going to say and he used it as a call and response so he would say from the front but that was friday and we would all reply but sunday was coming and in fact he used it so many years in a row that he didn't have to prep anybody uh, to do the call and response which probably isn't the best thing for newcomers really is it but um david would always use this same line that was friday but sunday was coming And there are three things in this passage, three things at least, I'll say that, three things in this passage at least, which all point to that same point, that it was Friday, but Sunday was coming. There was hope that was coming. There was joy that was coming. So let's look at those three things now. Firstly, Matthew tells us that as Jesus dies, darkness covers the land and that there are earthquakes. And it's as if all creation feels and responds to the death of Christ. As if all creation is groaning, as it says in Romans, under the weight of sin, which Jesus has taken upon himself. Jesus in in incredible pain and suffering, cries out in a loud voice one final time in the words of Psalm 22, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? The utter abandonment he feels that God has left him. We see God's son crying out to the father, the different members of the Trinity crying out, Jesus knows his scripture, doesn't he? He knows the prophecies about himself, that the saviour had to die, that this was a redemption for God's people. And it was all part of God's rescue plan for humanity and all of creation. And yet he feels that immense pain and suffering of being separated from God, that sorrow of being abandoned. Bearing in mind as members of the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, Jesus has never felt this separation before. Jesus has never felt separated from the Trinity before. This is the first time he has felt that immense suffering and abandonment. But Christ knows that the rescue plan does not end there, doesn't he? He himself has spoken of and talked about the fact that he's going to rebuild the temple in three days, that that is, that is a, a sign of hope. That's him pointing to uh, the hope that is coming, that the son of God will rise to new life after three days. And he endures this awful, this awful separation, doesn't he? Because he knows that it is going to reconcile humans to God. He knows that this is the way to eradicate that sin that has separated uh, the two. And what is uh, the sign of of this uh, reconciliation? Well, it's the tearing of the temple curtain, isn't it? From top to bottom. Now that physical separation between 
between God's presence and his people, which is in the temple, the curtain which separates the Holy of Holies, where God's presence is and uh, where the people can come to worship and make sacrifice. Uh, The temple is torn. This physical uh, barrier is torn in two. And so that connection and that relationship with God is made possible again. That's the first thing. That's the first um, kind of big inflatable finger. You know, when you go to the uh, the rugby or football, people have those big inflatable hands and a big finger they point to. Uh, this, this is the first big inflatable finger where Matthew says, that was Friday, but Sunday is coming. Sunday is coming. There's something more that's coming. The temple curtain. Secondly, after the temple is torn, Matthew says that the tombs of all who have died in God and many, many holy people were raised to life. Firstly, isn't that scary? <laughs> isn't that utterly freaky that, that the tombs would open and that all the holy people would come back to life? I think we often move really quickly over this, don't we? Uh, because frankly it just feels very very freaky and weird um and let's you know let's not ignore that but this this is another one of those blow up fingers that this is this was friday but sunday is coming something else is coming is just around the corner cast your mind back to uh, Mel's sermon a couple of weeks ago from ezekiel uh 37 in the valley of the dry bones all the bones were lifeless, weren't they? They were uh, they're dead, they're just bones. But God shows Ezekiel that by the power of his spirit, his, his breath in those bones is going to recreate them into an army. It's going to put flesh on the bones, tendons on the bones, so that they come alive again. And so this is uh, the prophecy at that God's people uh, will come alive again, that God is going to declare victory over death and that God's people will come alive. And so as we read about these um, kind of amazing and quite freaky things that are happening in uh, Matthew, uh, all the holy people coming back to life, it's a sign, isn't it? Um, the Jews who are reading Matthew's gospel, uh, Matthew's writing his gospel for the Jews, remember, to persuade the Jews um, that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus was God's son, that he has done all the things that he promised. This, this is Matthew saying, you too will be raised. The holy people are raised back to life. They they receive the power of God, the victory over death, and they too come back to life. You will also be raised, not just them, but you as well. You will be raised with Christ. Death is not the end. So that's our big kind of second blow up finger point sign. That was Friday, but Sunday is coming resurrection is coming so we've got the temple curtain and we've got the holy people coming back to life resurrection thirdly and finally who was it who was gathered at the foot of the cross it was the women wasn't it it was the women who were gathered around the foot of the cross 
they had followed Jesus all the way from Galilee and tended to his needs. They weren't counted as his disciples because of the place of women in first century Palestine. And it was the men who were kind of learned and educated. But they had followed Jesus every step of the way. They had served him. And now they stand at the foot of the cross watching him die this long and painful death. And they can't do anything about it. We've got Mary Magdalene. We've got Mary, the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Can you imagine? I can't, I can't quite decide whether uh, there would be wailing or whether there would be utter and quite disturbing silence. But imagine as the sky darkened and the earth shook, how scared they must have been. And yet they stay with him until the end. Jesus had honoured them. He had taught them. He'd included them. He had loved them. He defended them against all kinds of people throughout his ministry. He'd helped and he had rescued them. He'd set them free from uh, their previous ways of life, particularly Mary Magdalene. And sneak ahead to Sunday. Because who is it that the risen Jesus appears to? He appears to the women who have come to anoint his body. Probably these same women who are now at the foot of his cross. This is the sign that the world order is about to change. It's not the order of uh, God's God's kingdom that is that that Jesus has has lived something, uh, has experienced our human order, hasn't he? And he has come to change has come to change the order, to bring about his kingdom order. It's an upside down kind of place, that kid's song that we sing. um, uh, It's a topsy-turvy, curly-whirly, crazy kind of place. Um, Look at my notes, where the weak are strong and the first are last and the slowest one wins the race. And I always thought that that was just a song about Christchurch. But it's about God's kingdom, isn't it? It's an upside down kind of place. Jesus has come to set the oppressed free, to liberate and to rescue all people, not just uh, the Israelites, not just the people who previously understood themselves as God's people, but to set all people free, free, Jews and Gentiles alike, to rescue all people from sin and death, not in the way that they had expected or even looked forward to, but according to this new world order to bring about God's new creation. The women at the cross are another big inflatable finger then, aren't they? Pointing to who Jesus is and who he is going to honour in his new kingdom. And that's the third sign that it was Friday, but Sunday was coming. And so this week, when you are feeling disappointed, when you're feeling confused, when you're feeling like you don't know what's going to happen next and it's all out of your control, the things that you hoped for are not there anymore and you don't know where to look or in whom to put your trust. I pray that you would look to the cross of Christ, to Jesus who says, I will never let you go. 
who holds on to God's hands and holds on to us and says, no matter what you go through, I will never let you go. And that he, Jesus, is the sign of hope. That Friday, that our day of disappointment and confusion is not the end, but that there are signs of hope. And I pray that God reveals to you those signs of hope that are all around us, whether it is the colour in the trees or the sound of children playing in a playground or a message or a phone call from a friend, that you would uh, see and know the hope and the joy and the peace of Christ this week. That as he dies, he dies for the love of us, that we would be connected to God, that we would know God's love for us, that God is for us, that he is not against us and that not all hope is lost.